0: This is The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 292.
1: I have people call me at ICF and say, why should I join ICF or why should I be a part of ICF? And first and foremost is the community. It is a warm community of fellow coaches who are just about as passionate about their career as you are. And Anybody can call themselves a coach. Our industry is not regulated, but ICF, from working with ICF and from all of my experience, has the highest standards. The highest standards of the core competency model of coaching skill set, the code of ethics, and the credential.
0: Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now, join your host, Meg Renschler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, and welcome to the show. It is wonderful to have you join us. I'm your host, Meg Renschler, executive and mentor coach, and Today we're going to be diving into some of the things that the global organization of the International Coaching Federation thinks about the way that they come forward to be a global organization for professional coaches. I am delighted to introduce you to Anique Clemens, who is the Strategic Development Director for North America, Latin America, and Caribbean. And we'll get more into what Anique and I are going to talk about in just a second. Just want to take a moment to hope that wherever you're listening, uh, things are going well for you. I will tell you that we are already into 100 plus temperatures here in Texas. It feels like it's going to be a long, hot summer. I am oh so very grateful that we have the benefit of things like air conditioning and Wherever you are, whether you're in the part of the world that's experiencing winter right now or also are experiencing long, hot, humid days, I I want to meet you wherever you're at and let you know that the Star Coach Show is all about helping you remove obstacles and get new ideas for ways to really show up as your best as a coach. Now. We are now solidly halfway through the year. So it seemed prudent to me to put together a little webinar regarding credentialing and keeping your credential strong. If you are in a place where you are having your credential come up for renewal and you're a little confused about what goes into that, what exactly that looks like. And how to do that in the most expedient way possible, whether you are coming up for renewal at the end of this year or next year, you do not have to wait till the very end. But we are literally, you know, we're six months from the end of the year. And many of you might be in that place of, oh my gosh, I still need to get my continuing education or my mentor hours or both or I'm not even sure what I need. So if you would like to just have things laid out, straightforward for you, go to starcoachshow.com slash credential, starcoachshow.com slash credential, C-R-E-D-E-N-T-I-A-L, and just watch the little free webinar about what you need to have prepared to submit, as well as some ideas of how to get those remaining hours of continuing education or mentor hours that you might need. So starcoatshow.com slash credential. I'm all about trying to help you stay credentialed. You've worked hard for that credential. Let's not let it slip away. So on to what we're going to talk about in today's show. As I mentioned, I am delighted to introduce you to Anique Clemens. She joined the ICF Global in October of 2018. She first joined as a regional development manager. Then she moved into the volunteer engagement director position, and she is now currently a strategic development director for North America, Latin America, and Caribbean. So in her role, Anique focuses on developing local and regional markets, deepening member and volunteer engagement, and developing long-term partnerships and sustaining healthy chapter communities. And we have a great conversation about what chapter communities sort of bring forward, how it's a great place to get started and connected with other coaches. We talk about how the ICF is very conscientious about being a global organization and what that means and what that can mean for you as a member as you think about how to engage and be a part of a professional community. Now, Anique has been a coach herself and an ICF member since 2015. She served as a chapter leader for a couple of years. Prior to that, she worked for the federal government. She's going to talk to us about that in her interview. And when we think about being dedicated to the field of coaching, I think Anique is an excellent example of... Doing what she's, you know, encouraging others to do. She got professionally trained as a coach. She then, you know, joined the ICF. She became a credentialed member and she continues to bring that forward. Anika is also fluent in both German and English, kind of adding to, to that global aspect. And I just adore her. I find her to be so incredibly giving and pleasant and dedicated to helping coaches be the best they can be. And since that's a passion of mine. I certainly love spending time with others who share that passion. So let's go to my interview with Anique Clemens, and we'll see you on the other side. Anique Clemens, welcome to the Star Coach Show.
1: Thank you, Meg. It's
0: great to be here with you. I've been looking forward to this first of all, I was so excited to meet you in person. I feel like more and more I'm actually, people have like something below the neck. I mean, like (laughs) people have full bodies. I'm learning that lately. I've kind of forgotten over the last two years, but you get uh, to
1: see how tall people actually are. Yes,
0: exactly. (laughs) Their styles, the shoes they wear. I mean, all sorts of exciting things.
1: They're wearing pants and skirts and And we can't say whether they have
0: been over the past two years, but they are finding them again in their closets and they're wearing them again. So I recently had the pleasure of being at a conference with you and we talked about how exciting it would be for you to come and talk a little bit about the global organization of the International Coaching Federation. And we've come up with some great things we want to bring forward. With that, I would love to start with... What led you to work for this global coaching organization?
1: Yeah, great. Thank you, Meg. Yeah, it's so great to be with you on your show. I came to work with ICF Global about 4 years ago, and I had worked for the federal government for 15 years for NOAA Fisheries Service and Fisheries Management. And so I had I had gotten a degree. My original degree was in biology the further up I got in, in management, the further away I got from working with the people, which is what I really loved. I, I had loved working with the fishermen. So I switched careers to coaching in 2015, had taken a, a coach training program, ICF accredited coach training program, started a coaching business as a life coach and joined my local chapter. So that's a really great opportunity as a coach. There's chapters all around the world 140 chapters in different communities they all have their own culture and their own the focus own personalities
0: they really do and i would agree with that i joined my icf chapter which happens to be the the charter chapter of uh the north texas chapter as a student in mm-hmm. my coaching program mm-hmm. and just felt like it has i mean i believe a lot of where my business is today is because i linked up with my chapter early on.
1: It's a great opportunity to meet the other coaches in the area, network with the coaches, continue education and professional development, and then potentially have opportunities to work as a coach in areas or clients that you hadn't met before. So I had linked up with the local chapter, the ICF Central Florida chapter. I'm right outside Tampa in St. Petersburg And when I started with the chapter there, I wanted to get involved right away. I said, I'd love to volunteer. How can I help out? And within six months, I was on their board of directors as their treasurer. So I did that for a couple of years, really got great connections in ICF and learned more about the global organization of ICF. And I attended a retreat in Jacksonville, Florida, where it was different leaders from the Southeast region. It was the Southeast Region Retreat. This was in 2017 and learned about the regional management of the chapters in North America, Latin America, Caribbean, that there was an open position at ICF Global. And I learned about it at that retreat. So I thought, what a great opportunity to affect the coaching world on an even bigger scale, on a global scale. I knew my little area. I knew the Tampa, Orlando area. Then I was learning about the Southeast regional area. Well, now I could really learn about the global organization and how coaching works in different parts of the world. So I applied for that 2018 and got the position. So I became a regional development manager for ICF and I worked with the Southeast region and the Northeast region. So I, worked with about 29 different chapters. How exciting. It it was wonderful. I stopped working with individual clients, but at this point I was working full-time for ICF Global and working with coaches in that whole large area. It was something that was, it was like that next level in my coaching journey and my career path. Well,
0: and I just keep thinking, what's the connection between working with fishermen and then working with coaches. I just keep thinking that there's <laughs> got to be some kind of like, I don't know what the analogy is or what the connection is Anik, but I, but as soon as you said, I was working with fishermen, and now I'm working in this global coaching community. If that connection or a thread through comes up for you during the interview, please share it because I'm thinking there is one.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, just what's coming up the top of my head is really in, in any industry people are going through challenges or going through changes, transitions, transformations, and coaches can help them on that path. So I don't know of coaches that coach fishermen or fisherwomen. Maybe that's a new niche that could be out there. Maybe that's what's coming up. (laughs) But I think it's any industry vertical coaching can make an impact,
0: can make a difference. I agree. And, and we thought we would start in the place of the fact that the ICF is a global organization. It is in how many countries?
1: Gosh, over 80 countries we have chapters. That's amazing. So, yeah, we have a huge footprint now all around the world. So, with that, I would think as
0: our professional organization, you've got to be sort of tuned into the fact that around the world, we have challenges that might be similar and then unique challenges. And just like, how do you step into that space as a global organization and try to help each chapter and and as a whole, each member be a success or or get their needs met? I can imagine that that's kind of Herculean.
1: It is. And it is really interesting because there are some very relevant challenges right now, including diversity and inclusion. You know, that's one of the biggest topics right now is how to be an inclusive leader and how do we show up in our communities as inclusive and embracing all diversities. And so at ICF, that's very important to us. It's, it's at the front of everything we do. We just hired a diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice director who's helping us with these efforts. But diversity looks different, feels different all around the world. So we've had to survey. We've done a member survey that went to randomly about half of the membership so far. Mm -hmm. And then we also did a chapter survey. So with the chapter survey, we asked the chapters, what are your current, do you have a diversity officer already? What are your current diversity goals and what any initiatives that you have right now? For diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice, and then with the member survey, it was just a pulse point of what are the different categories of diversity that that makes up what we want to the data that we want to collect. Mm -hmm. Is it demographic data, and that can be different around the world. So, if we're looking at ethnicity Mm -hmm. in the United States, that's going to be a completely different question in Japan or Australia, or Mm -hmm. South Africa. So, we have surveyed to see what are the right questions to ask, and now we're collecting some of that data. We're coming up with a chapter diversity guide, so some recommendations and some guidance for our chapters to implement inclusive leadership in their chapters and how to be more diverse in their chapters, and then also diversity training for staff and for our chapter leaders and our members. And then we're doing, we just put together a cultural diversity committee for holidays because there's so many different holidays around the world that we want to celebrate and learn about. And we can do that with a a committee made up of people from around the world.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Now I'm I'm wondering, I know that you're putting things together and and you'll be Bring them out to the different chapters, but is there any example of something that came up in the survey that was surprising or that, that can give the audience sort of a taste of the kinds of data that you collect that might be surprising or might be validating?
1: Yeah. One thing that was just amazing was with the chapter diversity survey, we had a 75% response rate. I mean, most surveys, like 10% of right, members you're lucky if responding 20, yeah. is excellent. So 75% means it's very important to everybody right. that saw the survey, they wanted to respond, they want to be involved. So that was surprising in such a great way. This is a topic that people want to be engaged in. And we actually had started the work on this Two years ago, it was right after the George Floyd murder Mm -hmm. that we put out a statement that ICF will include diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, and belonging at the forefront of everything we do. So it was a very bold statement. Mm -hmm. Now we're really following it up. We had a task force that came together to work through the definitions of Mm -hmm. diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, what they mean for ICF and our coaching community. And now with the director, we can do the training and the guides and all of those things. So we've been working on it for since 2020. Through the Um, pandemic. And then we had it at GLF. So this, this was something that I would love to tell your audience of how to get involved because I know when I became a coach, I just wanted to be involved and volunteer. Right. So we do have a lot of volunteering opportunities in ICF, and um, we have our chapter leaders. So our chap those who lead our chapters are all volunteer leaders. Yes, and each year we do a conference for them called the Global Leaders Forum. We've held it virtually the last three years. This year we had about 350 attendees from exactly. around the world, come to the conference. And one of the biggest topics was inclusive leadership. So we're following that thread throughout the chapter system, our chapter leaders, the members. And it's a conversation that keeps building and keeps uncovering more and more. And some of them are very uncomfortable conversations.
0: What makes them uncomfortable?
1: I think the, the race, ethnicity ones can be very uncomfortable or gender, gender identity or disabilities, or we just had a talk on neurodiversity. So how do we best coach those who may have ADHD or, you know, maybe they're on the spectrum in a different way. So there's a lot that goes into that diversity topic and a lot of those conversations we just haven't had. So they can be a little bit uncomfortable when you're first having them.
0: I think it's also could be uncomfortable because if you're trying to be respectful and conscientious and hold a space, you might not know like what's okay to ask or how do I, how do I step into this space in a way that is totally respectful and not knowing sometimes is this question respectful or not respectful or those kinds of things. And that whole concept of neurodivergent, I just want to take a second to say that, that actually Dr. Tracy Winters did a show on neurodiversity for the star Coat show that went live on April, I mean, May 25th. So while we are interviewing, it hasn't gone live yet, but it, it will have gone live by the time that, that our interview goes live. So that and that was so all around. You know, there are special ways to engage with as a responsible coach with people who have attention deficit, with people who are gifted, with people who whose brains might look at things differently, and what incredible gifts those bring forward. So, as as you said, Anique, there are so many ways and and lenses to look through the whole diversity conversation.
1: Definitely, and I think. Coming to those conversations with a coaching mindset, you know, being curious and being open and creating that space and listening and powerful questioning and, you know, all of the the coaching skill set allows us to to work through the uncomfortableness because we are going to mess up. We're going to say things that aren't necessarily appropriate because we all have our own unconscious biases, but being open to working through that and okay so how could i reframe that how how would that be said more respectfully or more inclusively right so that yeah coming to those co- conversations with the coaching mindset and being willing to kind of step
0: into some of the discomfort and maybe being transparent and saying i have every intention of bringing my best forward and if i put my foot in my mouth without meaning to you know let's deal with that and, and talk about what, what would be better and what would, what would open more conversation. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a huge focus and a much needed focus. I mean, it's amazing how, in my opinion, the, the influx that we have of maybe not, you know, sort of globally, not listening, or wars or um, stepping on other people's rights are are beginning to create more and more conversation about how this just isn't okay. And as a global professional organization, the ICF stepping into that and saying this is this is our stand on that is really powerful. And I mm-hmm. think one of the benefits of being associated with a professional organization, as a professional coach.
1: Yes. Yes. You're invited to the table. You're invited to have a voice. This this community, the ICF coaching community is a, my coach calls it creative dissonance where you're bringing all the voices to the table. You're not all going to agree. You're going to have different opinions and different perspectives and we want to hear that. We need to hear that. And that's how we grow and develop and and
0: move forward. That kind of opened up something for me. For anybody who's in the audience and thinking, well, Anique, why did we change our name from the International Coach Federation to the International Coaching Federation?
1: Can you enlighten us? Sure. Yes. So International Coach Federation that was founded in 95. So for 24 years, we were called the International Coach Federation because we were really focused on the, the coach, the individual coaches and the members and the credential holders. And we really were so much more than that. We're encompassing so many other facets of coaching. So thought leadership, coaching and organizations, our pro bono coaching activities through the foundation, ICF foundation, accrediting coach training schools. There's, there's so many other facets of ICF that we, we, we wanted to open it up. We wanted it to be broader and all encompassing. So we changed it from, it's just adding three letters from coach to coaching, but it really expands all the offerings of ICF.
0: Well, and and that's and I think that those same nuances happened in the updated competencies. Mm-hmm. It was in many ways, and I mean some were some major changes. Like I'm thrilled that we have embodies a coaching mindset as a as a competency now. Uh, but many of the the refinement of the the competencies weren't huge, but they were really impactful. And what I think is responsible about that is that when you have something that started in 1995. That's great. We had all this growth. We had all, and, and yet, do we check back in? Do we check? take the pulse again? Do we look at how are we shifting? How do we want to be? How do we want to show up? And, and those changes that have been happening, I think sort of embrace that. Your thoughts?
1: I completely agree with you. We hadn't looked at the, the core competency model in a long time in terms of does it need to be updated? And so that it was such a a perfect time because we're expanding the organization and inclusivity of of what the organization offers. At the same time, we we went through a very rigorous process to update the competencies. We had a, a team from around the world. I think there was maybe about 20 people on the team to look at the competency model, see what was still relevant what needed to be updated what could be condensed what could needed to be expanded and i think we've come up so we went from 11 core competencies to 8 mm-hmm. now the 8 are really inclusive of the 11 but they're right. also even more inclusive they're even broader to to be more relevant to be more inclusive yeah and really just encompass the the full skill set Right. And sort of what we bring. do, how
0: we show mm-hmm. up as a coach, how we partner more powerfully. Um, exactly. versus it, lots of them felt like they sort of moved from this thing to this act, to this being state. I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe, but very much like this is when you're being a coach and, and really bringing your full self, mm-hmm. this is what's happening.
1: <laughs> and that's what the, yeah. I think it's like moving now. a little bit more from the tactical to, yeah, I like that word, the being of mm-hmm. a coach. Mm-hmm.
0: so we we've talked about you know, the fact that there are there are cultural differences. Going back to the discussion that we just had, I remember very clearly as a, a new coach that and I trained back in two thousand eight, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, dancing in the moment with with your client was a big thing that that would come through. And then my understanding is that you know through open discussions, through being, culturally aware and mm-hmm. tuned in, you realize that, that that statement doesn't resonate well with people around the world, like every every culture. So-
1: exactly. It it's really a phrase that doesn't translate in many languages and many cultures where it doesn't have the same meaning or relevance. So trying to open up that language instead of dancing in the moment, it's like creating the presence and the space and the the coaching mindset.
0: Yeah. Being open and flexible and curious, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things are like, okay, yeah, I get that. So, yep. um, one of the other things that we talked about that is a trend or that maybe is something that a responsible organization is going to pay attention to is who's coming in. Like mm-hmm. as, as we, you know, are. Coaches who have been coaches a long time are getting older. I know it's hard to imagine, but we might be getting older. And then, you know, who's coming up and how are we responding to engaging coaches from a younger generation? So all this generational talk, and I know uh, Judy Feld, who is a pioneer of the coaching industry, did a show with me uh, several years ago about generational differences and how we engage and, and responsibly coach different generations. But we're, as a global organization, how are we engaging coaches who are coming in from this younger generation?
1: It's such a relevant topic. And that was another one of the topics at our Global Leaders Forum this year. So we brought in a speaker, uh, Sarah Sladek, and she works with all different companies around the world, a lot of HR companies and nonprofits. And she's talking about this because of the 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 great the baby boomer generation retiring in great numbers, and the millennial generation is the biggest next generation that's already in the workforce, and then the the generation Z behind them. And so these coaches are coming, or peop- these folks are coming out of a, a college, or maybe not going to college, but wanting coach training, and as their first or second job, they want to be a coach. So how do we engage this younger group of, of folks and and embrace them and and bring them into the coaching community. So this was a huge topic that we had at Global Leaders Forum, and there was a lot of great ideas. So going to where they are, going to the universities, going to, a lot of them are on online platforms. So we're actually looking at having an online platform at ICF Global, because we, we have our website and, you know, we have our social media, but having that ability to engage 24-7, send a message, receive a message anytime and wherever you are in the world. So that's something that we're looking at doing at ICF Global. And I know a lot of the, the local communities are looking at how do we engage the younger generations as well. So looking at technology and that quick response and keeping programming shorter and tighter and just going where they are. Right. So embracing, embracing the next generation of coaches.
0: Well, and very honestly, we go back to that unconscious bias, right? So I immediately think, so how do we help train and, and bring into a place? Because I think I have an unconscious bias that part of being a coach is that you've sort of lived some life experience, but that might not necessarily even be the case. I mean, because we all bring different experience and we've had, we've lived different lives and, and we can all be curious and open and flexible and inviting. And, and so, you know, Just being completely transparent, like immediately I'm thinking right out of college. That's so interesting because, you know, what's what's how deep is your bench? But in fact, maybe your bench is absolutely, you know, where it needs to be. I think about Brendan Burchard, who is quite the icon in in many ways in this self-development or personal development space. And, you know, he really kind of got bit by the bug as a very young young man and and did all this training and got to this, point, but he's still a very young man, I mean, in my mind. So I don't know, I just kind of riffed on that for a second, but it, it sort of being kind of open to the fact that, you know, what's opening up inside of you when you hear that? And what do you need to do to kind of step into that space of once again, inclusion and all everyone's welcome to the table?
1: Yeah. And I, I think we, we can look at who would, their clients be? Who would their market be? It might be a completely different clientele. It might be they're working with people their age or kids, or maybe they're working in an organization. So there's, there's a lot of different ways to, to engage and include the younger generations in coaching. And I think people might feel some competition maybe, or or surprise like you had, like, well, they, they may not have the life experience that somebody older has, but if they have the coaching skill set and they have an, an, a niche that they're going for, it might be the perfect opportunity for them. And what, I agree
0: 100%. Mm-hmm. I think I, I was only, I only decided to share my immediate knee jerk reaction because I thought, you know, there might be other people who have that knee-jerk reaction. So let's like, let's be honest about it. And then Definitely. once you begin to, once you open up to it, you begin to think about all the possibility and all the the breadth of that. We all have our own talents to bring forward. But I thought, cause I even struggled with myself, like, am I going to be honest about my knee-jerk reaction? And I thought, yeah, let's talk about that because I'm willing to bet other people have that knee-jerk reaction.
1: I bet you're right. I bet there's a lot of people that are feeling the same way. And there's another piece of that where we have a lot of coaching platforms these days. So there's, I think we did a a study and and we had found, and this was a year ago already, 68 different coaching platforms. Now there's probably twice as many or, or maybe three times as many. And so if you're a new coach, or you want to expand your clientele base, you might work with a coaching platform. So, you know, you might work with Coach Hub, or you might work with Move One. You know, there's so many different there are ones. so many, right? And a lot of them require the coaches to be ICF credentialed. Love that. Now, some people think, oh, well, the price point is so low, it's going to dilute my price mm. point, or it's going to how am I going to continue to get clients at my price point? Well, that's, could be a different market. That could be the market that somebody has this much to pay, and this is what they want to pay. And they know they're getting an ICF credential coach. And maybe the ICF credential coach wants to get more experience Mm -hmm. and build up to another level. So Mm -hmm. I know some people see it as a competition or diluting the market, but it, I think it goes back to coaching is one of the largest growing industries, mm-hmm. and we're going to continue to see more and more coaches. I don't think the the market is saturated. I think there's clients for everybody. There's, there's everybody has a specific, specific yeah. niche that they're going to attract those clients, and we're going to see more and more of these platforms and more digital coaching as well. So you're still going to be able to carve out your right your space in this industry.
0: Well, and that's the whole. Even when I uh, became actively involved with my ICF chapter and got on the board in the first couple of years, there were the coaches that were there that looked at everybody as competition. And then there were the coaches that were there that looked at everybody as sort of a collaborative sort of in. And what I found is the people that were there to learn and grow and, and just help everybody forward just Stayed more active, were were part of the community, and those that sort of looked at others as, as that they were just there with competitors, kind of didn't come as much, and because it's and and that it's that scarcity versus abundance, and I think if we kind of approach things with that abundance mindset, we will do just fine. And the whole reason why I've got this podcast and believe so much in coaching is that we will really have an impact in the world.
1: Definitely. And a lot of people call it the ripple effect of coaching, where you might coach an individual, you might coach a team, you might coach an organization. But when you see it start affecting those around them, you know that coaching has made an impact on the community. And that's the ripple effect. And that's that's the power
0: of coaching. Yes. So interesting. I just completed two well, three, but, but two um, intensive classes with hospital systems, one in Houston and one in, in Dallas. And it's a master's program that they take coaching as a leadership style. And I just graded like 40 or 50, pa- I don't know, it was a lot of papers. But one, their paper is that they have to not only take coaching as a leadership style as a course, but then they have to coach each other. They buddy up and they have to do Two sessions where they're the client and two sessions where they're the coach. And then their final assignment is doing a a pretty in-depth reflection paper about that. So I just read 50-something reflection papers. And I will tell you that this, I heard this again and again and again, or read it. I guess I didn't hear it. Um, I didn't, I thought that this class, I thought coaching, do I really need to take a coaching class? This class transformed who I am as a person, this class transformed who, how I talk with the people with whom I work. It it's changed the way that I engage as a leader, and it it is one of the most important things I've done in my life. I mean, again and again, I read that 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 not just taking the course, but actually participating in coaching, even four sessions, was absolutely transformative. And and I just. To me, that's what people need to know and need to hear. When you're out there coaching, you are helping to transform people's lives.
1: That's awesome. That's, yeah, wonderful.
0: So, you know, as we're wrapping up our time together today, and I'm so appreciative that you've come to talk about our professional organization. And and I guess I would just ask if anybody's on the fence about whether... Being a part of, you know, I could be a coach and not be a member of the ICF. I could be a coach and not be ICF credentialed. You know, there's no coach police that are going to come arrest me. So what would you say to somebody who's trying to determine whether being a part of the professional organization makes sense?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And I get it all the time too. I I have people call me at ICF and say, why should I join ICF or why should I be a part of ICF? And first and foremost is the community. It is a warm community of fellow coaches who are just about as passionate about their career as you are. And anybody can call themselves a coach. Our industry is not regulated, but ICF from working with ICF, and from all of my experience, has the highest standards. The highest standards of the core competency model of coaching skill set, the code of ethics, and the credential. It's not easy to get a credential. So those who have taken the coach training, they've taken, they've had a mentor coach coach them on their coaching skill set. They've recorded their sessions and had them reviewed showing, yes, they've met all those core competencies. And they've taken a three-hour exam to show that they've mastered the skill set. They know the code of ethics. They abide by the code of ethics. Once they've completed all those things, they can be awarded a credential. And we have three levels of credentials. And so I would say that if you're a coach and you're interested in that community, if you're interested in the high standards, you're interested in continue to further the profession and further your own uh, development personally and professionally, then ICF would be a good community to join.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Actually, before we wrap up, I just want to be sure that you didn't have anything that we didn't yet talk about that you wanted to be sure that we covered in our time today.
1: Just one more thing about the volunteer aspect, because I that is something that is just really that I'm passionate about. So if you are interested in volunteering, you could volunteer at the chapter level on a chapter board. You can also volunteer at the global level. And so there's all these different opportunities to volunteer. You can volunteer on a global board. You could be a translator. You could be a speaker at a conference. You could be a community of practice leader. We have 10 communities of practice. You could be an evaluator for one of our awards. So there's so many different ways to get involved, and I will share the link with you. There's we have a volunteer interest form. So if somebody is interested in volunteering, they can fill it out with their skill set and their interests, and then be matched for a volunteer position.
0: Excellent, and I will put that uh, link in the show notes for this episode. So don't be shy, get in there. I will tell you that. Every time I've talked to somebody who has volunteered at either the chapter level or the global level, and the neat thing about volunteering at the global level is you are volunteering with people from around the globe. So you get to interact with coaches from everywhere that it is, it is that you get more than you put in, but you have to kind of be willing to kind of go and give it your all. And then it's just going to multiply coming back at you. Definitely. Thanks, Anique. We will definitely have that link in the show notes. I love
1: spending time with you. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Meg. I've had so much fun.
0: I chose the title of this show, What Do You Know About the Global ICF, to hopefully get you thinking, what do I know about the ICF? And I would think it's fair to assume that you know so much more now after my talk with Anik, And I want to thank her again for joining me. If you want to pick up any of those links that Anik offered, go to starcoachshow.com slash 292, starcoachshow.com slash 292. In our members only bonus question, Anik talks about What if you are a trainer or somebody who is offering program to coaches, what do you need to do to get that approved by the ICF so that you can offer continuing education? So that is our members only bonus question. Be watching for the membership community. Next week, I am going to introduce you to a fabulous human being. Dr. Stan Ward is joining the show. He has done work around burnout. We're going to be talking about self-care and... Personal sustainability so that we're the best we can be for our clients. And I think you're going to just love that show. So please come back next week for my show with Dr. Stan Ward. If you are enjoying the show, please consider sharing it with others. Take a picture of your phone as you're listening to it and share that on social media. Uh, If there's a particular episode that you know of somebody who really needs to hear that, send them the link. And Consider leaving a rate and review wherever you listen. That's how more and more coaches are going to learn about the show. And I appreciate that in advance. The show is hopefully going to reach as many coaches as I would love to reach coaches everywhere, every coach, and help them bring their impact to the world that much stronger. So until next week. This is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.